On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview the Big 12 basketball season now that we're officially into conference play for KU. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available anywhere that you get your podcasts, including on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the show. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, it's Big 12 basketball season. We're into conference play for KU. We're going to be previewing the rest of the conference, what's out there, what's in store for the Jayhawks and uh, maybe an early all big 12 team watch and who are some players to look out for this year to uh, finish things up. We're going to start with uh, the title favorites to win the league, the dark horses, kind of that second tier of favorites, move on to maybe other teams that could be middle of the conference, NCAA tournament level, uh, some of the bubble teams, bottom dwellers, all that. Let's start with the favorites. We'll start right away with the Kansas Jayhawks. Obviously Kansas, you know, uh, favorites when you're looking at, um, just the expectation every year from Lawrence, from Kansas, from winning the league so many times, from everything that Bill Self does in winning close games and winning the Big 12. And, you know, you look at some of the metric sites or the rankings or, you know, certain things, and, and maybe they have Houston a little bit higher up on some of those listings. Um, but when all is said and done in Big 12 play, it's hard to actually pick against Kansas in everything that Bill Self has done. So uh, as far as the FanDuel odds, which you can get uh, Kansas at plus 230, they're tied with Houston also at plus 230, um, which I think is indicative of that. That There is just this notion that, yeah, Kansas, they just always find a way to win the league, despite the fact you look on Ken Palm, Houston's projected for 15 wins, Kansas is projected for 11 in conference play. But Kansas has gone 12-1 and to this point, they're 14th. In Ken Palm, are actually 13th at time of recording. Uh, they're 37th on the offensive side of the ball, fourth on the defensive side of the ball, but they've been more battle tested than any other team in the Big 12. In fact, Kansas is the toughest strength of schedule to this point in time entering conference play. It's ranked uh, in the top 60 in the country. Nobody else is in that top 60. So uh, that gives them an advantage to where, you know, you look at maybe a Ken Palm and they get dinged a little bit for not beating teams maybe as much as you would expect. But for my money, what's worth more? Is it beating UConn at home or is it beating a team that you were supposed to beat by 30 instead beating them by 50? Because on Ken Palm's metrics, it values the latter, but I value the former a little bit more. The question for Kansas, can they figure out the offense more? Uh, I think that'd come more from offensive rebounding, spacing, getting better, less turnovers, higher volume of threes, uh, which would kind of go into the spacing, becoming a better turnover defense. Uh, But you have to get things done early in conference play if you're Kansas here. Here is their February schedule. Versus Houston at Kansas State, versus Baylor at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma versus Texas, versus BYU at Baylor, versus Kansas State at Houston. You could easily go five and five or six and four there, and it'd actually be a fine stretch of basketball. But if you do go, let's say six and four in that stretch, that means you basically have to go eight and zero in your first eight to get to 14 Big 12 wins, which that's usually kind of the benchmark to win the conference. Some years it's 15, some years it's 13. You know, Uh, Last year, KU won it with 13. I think Texas was right behind them with 12. Maybe this year, as deep as the conference is, 12 or 13 gets it done. But 
14 is kind of the safe bet. Now that said, if Kansas goes 13 and five, and even if you do finish second in the conference, 13 and five with their non-con still might get you a one seed, depending on how the Big 12 tournament goes, uh, which maybe that's even more important than than anything else that, that kind of comes to that. But uh, it, it certainly is going to be different now because the schedules are incongruent, right? KU could end up with a much tougher Big 12 schedule than a team who's competing for the Big 12 title, just based on how the draw kind of came about with who's playing who among the schedule each and every year. The only other team I have as part of the uh, the title favorites is at least in the top tier is Houston. As I mentioned, FanDuel has them plus 230 to win the conference. They're 13 and 0 to this point, 17th on offense in the country, first on defense and number one team on Ken Palm right now. They've gone 4 and 0 against the Ken Palm top 50 so far. So they have at least beaten some other good teams. They haven't had to play like an elite of the elite team yet. Uh, it's been a lot of teams that are kind of ranked in that like 20 to 50 range. Utah's 26th, but they beat them by 10. Dayton's 39th. They did beat them by 14, though. Xavier's 42nd. They beat them by 6th. And their best win, Texas A&M, which was a semi-home game for them, was uh, 23rd. They beat them by 4. So they've passed every test so far. But overall, they're 211th in schedule. What happens when you're playing a schedule where, you know, I, I still think Houston's going to be a really good team. But the nights where your down game could beat a team who maybe you were playing in the American who was ranked in the 200s, now that down game is against a team who could be ranked 70th on Ken Palm, right? So we'll see how they, they do in their first year in the Big 12. But this is about as an elite of a defense as you could look at. I, I don't know that I've ever seen one with, with as many number one spots as they've been in. They are first in effective field goal percentage defense in the country. Uh, they are first in turnover rate defense. They're first in two-point defense, first in block rate, first in steal rate, all on the defensive side of the court. They're also sixth in non-steal turnover percentage. They're ninth in three-point defense. Uh, it's a really good rebounding team on the offensive side, fourth in offensive rebounding. They don't really turn it over much. The one thing that could hurt them, they're not a great shooting team. They, they kind of below average in the amount of threes that they take. Uh, they shoot them at, at a, a proficient number, 34.9%. That's 113th in the country. They don't really get easy baskets though. Only 210th in two point rate. So this is an elite defense. What happens if they play a team? who can score on them a little bit or gets hot, that's going to kind of be there. The dark horses, which I would also refer to as kind of the second tier of favorites in the Big 12, I would start with uh, BYU. Right now they're third on FanDuel, plus 550 to win the league. And obviously if a team shares the league, you still win it. So keep that in mind if, if you are interested in any of these numbers. Uh, they're 12-1. and one. They're number three on Ken Palm right now. That's pretty incredible. Sixth on offense, 10th on defense. They're just one and one against top 70 teams, though. And they blew the crap out of teams who were just bad. Like, it, basically, they built their lead by, okay, you're expected to win by 30, you won by 50, something like that. But they're only 310th in schedule rating. So let's see what happens when the schedule creeps up. They do pretty much everything elite offensively except get to the free throw line. Uh, defensively, they've been top five good at defensive rebounding, which you don't always expect for a team that has a bunch of shooters on the outside. But um, – can the interior defense kind of hold up for BYU and how much of the elite stats that they've shown are just based on kind of the schedule for that matter, but they're a really fun team to watch. They shoot the lights out of the basketball and a very dangerous team to play against. Baylor would be another team I would put in here. They're fourth on FanDuel odds plus 750. We know that Scott Drew has the pedigree with, with Baylor and, and what they've been able to do over the last decade or so. Uh, number 15 on Ken Palm right now. They're third on offense, 65th on defense. So they're kind of like what they were last year, which was an elite offense, not as good of a defense. The defense has been better this year 
than it was last year, but they are an absolute elite shooting team right now. 47% from three. You heard me right. 47% from three so far for the Baylor Bears this season. Now, is that number going to come down? Because you could finish the year shooting 42% from three, and that'd be like the best in the country, which means that is there going to be a correction to the mean? Could they have like a two-week stretch or a month-long stretch where they really struggle shooting three? I don't know. But this is an elite offense. They're top 50 in two-point rate. Uh, they get a bunch of offensive rebounds. That's always a Scott Drew staple. For my money, this is the best offense in the country in Baylor right now. Defensively, like I said, better than last year. They've just kind of been average to above average at everything without being really elite at any one thing. But that's been good enough with the offense. And you look at the schedule so far. Uh, they're 161st in schedule ranking. They do have a top-notch win over Auburn. Florida wins also a good one. Close loss to Duke. Blowout loss to Michigan State. But uh, like many of the Big 12 teams, it's not an overwhelming schedule, but theirs is certainly better than a lot of other teams that are in the Big 12 that we're going to get to. One of those I'm going to mention right now, I teetered between putting this team in the second tier in Dark Horse Favorites uh, or putting it in the next tier where I just think they're a solid NCAA tournament team that I, I will say, like, this is the beauty of this league. Even when we get to the, the bubble NCAA tournament teams tier coming up, like those teams could still beat the teams at the top. That is the beauty of this. So that doesn't mean you can't beat any of the teams on a given night, just overall. But Iowa State, I did decide to put in here. They've gone 11-2 and two to this point. They're ranked 17th on Ken Palm. Right now, they are actually uh, not even in the top six. They're, well, I guess tied sixth in uh, betting odds at 20-1 to one to win the Big 12. And the 11 and two record has come about with a not great schedule. They're ranked 346th in schedule. They have four top 100 opponents that they played uh, wins over VCU and Iowa, and then losses to Virginia tech and Texas A&M. Every other game they've played is against a team ranked outside of the top 200. And they've done this the past couple of years, built up a nice nest egg and non-con. Then they get to conference play last year. They even started hot in conference play, but then they finished seven and 11 or eight and 10 or nine and nine or something like that, which is still good enough in a really tough conference to get you to the tournament. And two years ago, we saw them make a sweet 16. So, uh, you know, I still think they're a really good team. 46, on offense third on defense but it does remain to be seen with that schedule they have an elite defense with interior scoring prevention and elite turnover forcing as well as a good rebounding team what's different about the last couple of years though to me is that the offense is better they're still not elite like the last couple of years they had great defenses two years ago they had like isaiah brockington who was just like a bailout at the end of shot clocks because he would just a uh, mid-range assassin um, but the offense was kind of held them back a little bit this year. They're shooting 37.8% from three. They're top 30 in the country in two point percentage offense. And, uh, you know, they get to the line and they don't really turn it over a ton. So that's a good mix of all those things. Again, though, some of those counting stats are going to look better than they actually are because the schedule is so bad. So those are the teams I have in the first two tiers of title favorites for the big 12. Let's get to teams. I think can be NCAA tournament teams, but I would put on that next tier of teams coming up here with this episode of locked on Jayhawks. First, we are brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move you can make that'll take your business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with, which is why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. You want to get started on the right foot here in 2024, and LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best 
best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So my small businesses rate LinkedIn number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college to post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So we did our title tier, our secondary tier, which is the dark horses where maybe things could go right. Maybe things start turning even better than where they currently are. Uh, this next group I would call tier three, which is the teams I would view as kind of the middle class uh, of the Big 12 that I think are tournament teams and, and could be dangerous tournament teams because of how good this conference is. I'd be a little surprised if they won the conference, but they've shown a lot so far in non-conference play that they can make some noise come March and can beat any of the title contenders on any given day. First in that group is Oklahoma. What a non-con it's been for them. They're actually 12 to one right now to win the conference, which is ahead of Iowa state. Um, and you know, Porter Mosier has had a fantastic year for them. They're, they're ranked 27th on Ken Palm, uh, 51st on offense, 12th on defense. They have four top 80 wins already three by nine or more points. They've gotten a lot of big wins in those situations, Iowa, USC and Providence, uh, and Arkansas are their four top 80 wins for what it's worth. Only loss they've had this year is North Carolina. Um, so, you know, North Carolina's top 15 team, but they are 334th in schedule. So basically outside of those four games, it's been a lot of cupcakes along the way. Always efficient at two-point shooting and two-point offense under Porter Mosier. They're so good at manipulating the defense and opening up driving lanes and spreading things out and cutting and, and all of that that's going to get easy twos. They've continued that this year. They've also done a really good job on the glass and really at every level on defense, but mainly their effective field goal percentage defense, which is top 15. That's something that typically Porter Mosier teams have as well is the defense, and uh, they've, they've got a couple really good guards. I do really like this Oklahoma team, and it'll be one that I probably pick pretty far in my uh, NCAA tournament bracket. Texas, I have in this group too. Uh, Talent-wise with the starting five, I, I think they have the opportunity to be better than this list. Maybe I'd even put them in dark horse. I'm just still with, with Dylan DeSue coming back from the injury. It's been a little bit of a slower process than I expected, so I put them here. They're 20-1 to 1 to win the league. Um, 31st on Ken Palm, 29th on offense, 46th on defense. To this point, the resume would speak that Texas might be even a tier below this, but because Dylan DeSue's coming back, like I said, I'd be tempted to put them in a tier above this. They've only played two top 100 teams to this point, a loss by 10 to Connecticut and a loss by 21 to Marquette. Those are the only two top 100 teams they've played in their own two. They have a 321st ranking in schedule. They've done good shooting so far at all levels. Max Acemas has helped them out there. Uh, strong interior defense and shot blocking, thanks to Caden Shedrick. But they've turned it over a tad too much. Not a great defensive rebounding team. Dylan DeSue being back now. Uh, I thought he was one of the best players in the country over the last, I don't know, three, four weeks of the season last year. So we'll see what he can bring when he gets fully comfortable uh, kind of back from the season. TCU is 11-2. and two. I would put them in this uh, discussion too. They're also 20-1, to one, tied with Texas and Iowa State for sixth in the conference to win the league on FanDuel. Uh, 33rd in Ken Palm, 45th on offense, 35th first on defense. They have two top 100 opponents so far, lost by eight to Clemson, lost by 13 to Nevada. So Kansas upcoming on Saturday will be their third. We'll learn a lot about them then because they're scheduled 351st in the country. This is a trend. And I think it makes sense if you think about it, like a lot of these schools are like, hey, we're about to get buried in the Big 12. We might go nine and nine in the Big 12. We better build up a lot of wins in the non-con against lesser opponents. 
because it's just it's so hard to get wins in conference play. So I understand it, but it makes it a little tougher to, uh, I guess, evaluate these teams coming into conference play. But five of their 11 wins are against teams ranked 300 or worse. This is a super athletic, fast team who rebounds, gets inside, scores at the rim. They defend, they get steals, but they don't really shoot it. It's kind of similar to TCU the last couple of years, too. Kansas State, I would put in this list. Now, this is one that, um, based on like the Ken Palm ratings, uh, based on maybe where they are in FanDuel, should be maybe in the tier below it. But I still, I, I, I'm going to put them here. I, I picked them third in the preseason. I just thought that the talent would really come together. I thought Tyler Perry was going to have an outstanding year. He's putting up good point totals, but the efficiency hasn't been there. Cam Carter's putting up really good totals. Efficiency hasn't quite been there. Arthur Kaluma's uh, putting up really good totals, but in some of their biggest games hasn't quite been there. So I don't know, maybe something's missing there, but keep in mind, Kansas state last year through the non-con, there were some questions with them as well. I remember they lost a random game. I think it was like Butler who was bad last year. And it was like, okay, how good is this team? And then they started out conference play on fire and they arrived. So I'm going to put them in this range for that reason. Nine and three, 67th on Ken Palm, 104th on offense, 36th on defense. They have solid wins though over Villanova and Providence do have losses to USC, Miami, and Nebraska, but they're 96th in a schedule. That's actually the third best schedule through non-con so far, the Big 12. Kansas first, West Virginia second, Kansas State third. Uh, K-State shoots a lot of threes, but they've shot them at a low rate. They kind of chuck a little bit. Uh, way too many turnovers, not great defensive rebounding. They have been a really strong offensive rebounding team, though, with a solid two-point defense, and, and I think they have potential to at least shoot it better. Now, as far as the bubble tournament teams, this would be the lower middle class of the Big 12 to me, teams that I think could make the tournament, but maybe uh, they'll be on the bubble and not all of these will be able to. Texas Tech is 11-2, and two, good first year so far but for Grant McCasland. They're 37th in Ken Palm, 41st on offense, 42nd on defense. Not quite as slow as he was playing at North Texas, but still on the slower end of the spectrum. Uh, again, not ultra challenging non-con so far. They played in the battle for Atlantis, but overall seven of their wins are non-top 200 wins. They're 273rd in schedule. They've basically just been average to above average at everything so far, So, but against a bad schedule. So we'll see how that translates over for, for them. But uh, I like the higher before the season, so we'll see what it happens. Uh, Cincinnati, I've been impressed with so far. 11-2, 40th on Ken Palm, 40th on offense, 48th on defense. They have two top 100 games, lost by five at Xavier, and a loss by 14 to Dayton. They are 4-0 and against teams between 101 and 160 at least. Uh, but the schedule, again, not great. They do maximize possessions kind of a lack of turnovers, really good offensive rebounding team. They aren't great uh, shooting the ball defensively. They don't really force a ton of turnovers, and they're solid at two-point defense, but they're the number one defensive rebounding team in the country. And uh, that brings us to the last tier, which I have here, which, by the way, Cincinnati is 75-1 to on FanDuel. Kansas State is 35-1, to and Texas Tech is 25-1. to uh, These are the bottom feeders. UCF is 150 to one. Oklahoma State is 150 to one. And West Virginia is 250 to one. These are teams that I would be surprised if any of them made the NCAA tournament. Maybe that's a little too harsh on UCF. They, they probably deserve that the least. They're 75th on Ken Palm. The offense only 160th in the country, though. Defense is 22nd. But their best win right now is Charlotte or Lipscomb. They also lost to Stetson. They did play Ole Miss close. has been pretty good with Chris Beard this year. Uh, really strong rebounding on both ends. The UCF is kind of like TCU light. Very athletic team. Um, forced turnovers. 
uh, play good defense, but not a great shooting team, like to run up and down and, and be athletic. So um, I, I think it'll be tough for them in their first year of the Big 12, but I do think they're actually a decent team where if they were in a worse conference, they might be a tournament bubble team. Oklahoma State, only 7-5. and five. They are 2-5 and five against teams who are ranked in the top 200. That's not a big bar to clear. They're 5-0 and oh against teams outside the top 200, 2-5 two and five top 200. They've actually, weirdly enough, been a great three-point shooting team so far. You wouldn't have thought that based on the record and, and just, I don't know, what's happened the past couple of years. They're shooting 38% from three. That's 24th in the country. But um, they've struggled in a lot of other areas, and so I would be surprised if they ended up being a tournament team. And then West Virginia is the last one. Five and eight start for them. I will say second toughest schedule in the Big 12, so maybe they do end up finishing better than like UCF or Oklahoma State. Uh, Raekwon Battle's back now. He's only played three games. That obviously hurt him in the early part of the season. He's been putting up 27 points per game in the first three, but they've been really poor shooting from two and three. They don't rebound well or force turnovers. They're an okay defense, but you know, inside is is fine, and they don't really, and or they have you know troubles with with fouling and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's been kind of a tough year for uh, West Virginia. All right, that's our uh, team quick breakdowns and bios of everyone and, and where I would feel uh, they are in terms of the different tiers. Let's finish up with players I have on my watch list for all Big Twelve on this episode of Locked On Jayhawks. All right. Don't forget, you can find anything you missed with Locked on Jayhawks anywhere you get your podcast or on our YouTube page. We have some KU football content. Kobe Bryant coming back. We had a KU football season recap. We'll have a KU TCU preview later this week as well. So make sure you're subscribed to the show. So I think there's a, a lot of good candidates for the All Big 12 awards this year. And there's going to be some good players I leave off just because there's so many. When you look at having 14 teams now, there's just a lot of players putting up numbers. So these are the players that um, I get into on uh, Houston. I think LJ Cryer, he's putting up big point numbers. Jamal Shedd, uh, I think is somebody who has an opportunity to, to get on there. Really good defender, good passer for them. Uh, other guards, Kevin McCuller, Jackson Robinson, good shooter for BYU. Jacoby Walter and Ray J. Dennis for Baylor. Tamin Lipsy is putting up unbelievable numbers. Keyshawn Gilbert's been really efficient so far for them. Cam Carter, Tyler Perry, both guards for K-State, putting up big numbers. Efficiency's been down a little bit. Max Aismith's doing really good stuff for Texas so far. Uh, Tyrese Hunter's been playing really well. Otega Owe and Javion McCullough's been a McCollum's been a really good uh, guard combo so far. And Otega Owe is shooting it's something ridiculous. He's shooting like 70% from three and like 60% from the floor. Uh, Raekwon Battle, I, I guess, put him on the watch list through three games, 27 points per game. Noah Farrakhan's having a good year for uh, West Virginia. Pop Isaacs, Joe Toussaint for Texas Tech. Javon Small for Oklahoma State. Jalen Sellers for UCF. Uh, the forward position, Milan Momsilovic for Iowa State. Arthur Kaluma's putting up 15 and 8 for K-State. Emmanuel Miller has been efficient, scoring 16 a game. Dylan Mitchell's almost averaging a double-double. Uh, the center spot, Hunter Dickinson, Victor Lakin for Cincinnati has been a nice surprise. Warren Washington, good transfer from Arizona State to Tech, really good defender inside. And Jesse Edwards at West Virginia putting up big numbers. But my picks right now, on my first team, I would have Tameen Lipsy for Iowa State. I, I've been so impressed with Tameen Lipsy. He last year was kind of like a, a I don't know, uh, another version of Dewan Harris, where it was like, okay, this guy's not going to shoot a ton. He's going to play good defense and pass. This year, he has done everything. He's just a sophomore, and uh, he's averaging 15.5 points, 5.9 rebounds, 6.1 assists on 50% from the floor, 43% from three, 3.6 steals per game. He's been unbelievable. He would be 
near the top of the Big 12 Player of the Year candidates as well. So uh, I would put him on the first team. Ray J. Dennis for Baylor. As I talked about, they've had, uh, for my money, the best offense in the entire country so far. He's a big reason why. Transferred from Toledo, 13.5 points, four rebounds, 6.5 assists. He's shooting 53% from the floor, 41% from three, and over a steal per game. Uh, I really like what he's done to this point. Kevin McCuller, you know what he's done for Kansas. Hunter Dickinson, you know what he's done for Kansas. And then I got Emmanuel Miller for TCU representing them as a forward with 16 points per game. Second team, I went with Jacoby Walter. Good numbers for Baylor. Max A. Smith, Jackson Robinson. I wanted to get somebody on there for BYU. BYU has like five players behind Robinson who are averaging between like 9, 10, 11, 12 points per game. I don't know if any of them will get on uh, one of these lists with so many good players, but I wanted a representative. Robinson's been their leading scorer and, and a knockdown shooter. Otega Owe, like I talked about, his efficiency has been off the charts, leading Oklahoma in scoring. And Jamal Shedd with, with his defense and passing, I think deserves to be on here, so I put him on the second team. Third team, I went with LJ Cryer, another Houston guard. Shed's more of the defender. Cryer's more of the offensive guy. Javion McCollum, he's been awesome for Oklahoma. Javon Small for Oklahoma State, putting up good numbers, really good efficiency. I like Dylan Mitchell, what he's done so far this year. Good on defense, almost getting a double-double. And I went with Victor Lakin for Cincinnati, about 13 points, eight rebounds per game. Uh, Cincinnati's been a nice surprise, and that's why. I felt bad leaving some players off, um, but it's going to be really hard to pick those awards. Those are just my watch list right now. It's going to completely change here in a few months. That'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. You can find our show anywhere that you get your podcast, including on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the action. Back tomorrow with Nick talking a little uh, KU basketball.